0: Cameron, I'm learning that economics is a very diversified major. And let me explain myself first before you even ask a question. Because <laughs> your nose got really close to the mic. I'm not meaning diversified in any sort of racial or gender role way. As a matter of fact, a majority of economists are white, straight males. That is true, yes. It's That's what I've learned today. And all of them are in their 60s winning Nobel Peace Prizes. So, not peace, Nobel... Actually, that's a whole nother <laughs> subject. Apparently, uh, the Nobel Prize people don't like the fact that economists have an award. And, uh, really? Why? Yeah. Well, part of it is probably um, due to Hayek's speech about
1: how this is a useless award, and economics is oh, a public yeah. service. Uh. To yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it is, but also the problem with the with a uh, Nobel Prize in economics is that people win it all the time, and then. They'll people will go back like 10 years later and be like, oh, yeah, everything this guy said <laughs> was wrong. I guess that's true, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, you say they win it all the time. It's yearly, Cameron. Well,
1: so. I'm saying like that, you know, someone will win something. This, and is, then, this is what I'm
0: getting at. Okay, okay Today was my
1: it. first day of school and my last semester. Oh, I thought you were going to say my
0: last day of school. I'm <laughs> quitting. I'm, I'm, I'm almost at that point, let yeah, me tell you. Okay. Just like, man. So last semester... I lost a chunk of my soul stressing out learning a lot of mathematical, like, mm. things in economics. This is what I'm getting to with the diversified thing. Yeah. So I was learning all these mathematical equations, models, theories, right? And this semester, all three of my classes, I only have to take three to graduate, they're all saying, let's throw the math out the window <laughs> and let's explore with our minds. Legit, one of my classes... <laughs> I like that way better. I, I Sure, sure, but... One of my classes was like straight up like, we have no tests in this class. We will be sitting around and discussing what, uh, you know, these ideas of famous economists who have won awards through the Nobel Foundation or whatever it is. Um, that class I signed up for at the last minute because I found out I need four more units. Who would want to take a class? There's legit like 12 people in the class. It's so light. It's actually, I'm looking forward to it because the teacher is making jokes about how nobody's in the class. And it's Aww. like, well, let's hope that it doesn't get canceled. Though. It can't, it can't be canceled. Oh, okay. Uh, she told us, she's like, it can't be canceled. So like, just start to get to know each other. I oh, guess. that's like, nice. That's yeah.
1: Nice. It's, it's kind of funny. Well, you know what? Here's what I'll say about that. It's
0: just weird because, like, all you know, my teacher spent all this time teaching me all this math stuff and telling me how applicable it is going to (laughs) be, and then the next semester, every teacher is telling me the opposite, where it's like you're not going to use this stuff in the workplace. It doesn't even matter. You know, really, what you need to learn is how to critically think and how to apply ideas in a creative way. I'm just
1: like, you know what? They're they're probably both right because because here's the thing. I I went to film school, right? And so in order to make myself not feel dumb, I'm going to, I'm going to apply your real major to my fake major in film school. We had basically two diametrically opposed types of classes. One that was like, oh, you're never gonna get a job in film. You should just write and think about it and and like <laughs> you know, do do the do Enjoy the analytical the form, analytical right? stuff and not and not even try to get a job in film because it's miserable. And then we had the people who were like who are like, oh yeah, anyone could be a filmmaker and critics are horrible, <laughs> you know? And so and so we had these two we had these two like diametrically opposed sides of things. And that's probably just what your experience were experiencing where people are like oh yeah you'll definitely use these applied models because you know you'll go into this field and that'll be your job or there's the other more academic side where it's like oh we never use models because I'm a teacher and I <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean I think so, I think a part of me is like eager to join the workforce right yeah
0: that's yeah. kind of the position I'm in right now and so to see these like phd or master studying professors just really dig their teeth into the academic world of economics i'm like it's such a bubble that i just don't think i'm gonna live in mm, yeah. like in the future yeah. you know no i get that and so it's like it's it's diagnosing me with serious senioritis yeah so yeah that was my tuesday cam i would still recommend reading hayek and oh, uh, well apparently i'll be reading a lot and uh and mises I'm going to be reading... Actually, this is what I want to say with you, Cameron, because we ate before we started recording. I am just genuinely surprised with your dedication to learning. Genuinely. Aw, oh, thank genuinely. you. Because I sit down, I talk about economics, and you can bite back just as hard as half my
1: colleagues. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because... Well, don't get <laughs> I a feel big like... <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I do feel like a layman. I mean, I, I have... I've read... This is the thing. I read Hayek. I read Mises. I read Friedman, and I've read Thomas Sol. So, like, that's my that's basically my my only foray into economics is like those four people. So, so a decent collection. Yeah, I would say it's it's pretty. Oh, and I've read Marx, technically. So, but I I don't is Marx is I think that's more like political political theory. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean he. Capital is not technically an economic book, but it is, like, proto-economic in the way that, like, Adam Smith would be considered economic. Um, So, I don't know. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Anyways, my name is uh, Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tuttle. And you're listening to
0: Everything Comes From Something, uh, an unoriginal podcast about... A bunch of stuff. This is
1: why we love to have boring conversations because we just we enjoy it and don't care if anybody else does. You know, you I know?
0: I'm st- I'm almost done studying economics. Cameron studied film, and to be honest, film is more interesting. So we're going to move on from the econ <laughs> stuff uh, in today's episode, episode seventy eight, which
1: we said last week, but in reality, uh, this is seventy eight. And did you go back and like, um, you should you should do like an anim- animatronic. Uh, like text-to-speech voice of, like, 77. <laughs> Cameron and I spent enough time editing this show with yeah, the amount I of know, stuff in my I life.
0: I guess so. You Let's know, try. every week I'm editing the show, I'm, like, bickering under my breath, like, Cam- you know, if Cameron could just learn how to do it, he would do a terrible job. I have to do it. <laughs> no, I just get so upset <laughs> with it. I'm just like, oh, you <sighs> the I just get beyond frustrated. Teach me. Yeah.
1: Give me a master class. You know what? Actually, I, you know spe- what I don't need to do. Speaking that. of master
0: class, yeah. Uh, th- we are not sponsored by Skillshare, but I was looking <laughs> in. I was looking into uh, I was looking into Skillshare stuff today because I was in a dry desert of classes mm. this evening because I found out I had to have four units and that's why I added that Nobel class, whatever it is. Um so I was looking for a class to teach me coding, specifically mm. R, because I want to get into like uh, statistical analysis. Uh, as Technically, I took an econometrics class and learned like nothing in it <laughs> um, because I don't know that was a weird class. But I want to learn. Don't coding. You hate
1: paying for college? <laughs> yeah,
0: like I wanted to learn coding instead of going to a you know exploration class, yeah. of economists who made up stuff. Who kn- I'm, I'm sure I'll get something good
1: out of it. But yeah, but nevertheless, Could, have you ever thought about? Um, I know my school did this. Well, I mean, maybe just my department, but, um, there was, we had things that were like guided learning programs, basically. It was like, you could do something on your own and learn that. And then if it applied and you could prove that it applied and you would have a, you'd obviously have like a a counselor and whatnot, a professor who would oversee what you're learning basically. But you should look and see if there's any, Well, I looked looked on Skillshare for our coding. Sure enough, there is one. Well, but I, what I mean is like, then you could get course credit for it. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to ask a counselor. I'm also on my way out, so I'm like, I don't want to spend extra time doing anything. Well, but if you could replace that class with the one that you don't want to take, and then you say, I don't know, I'm not, I, I shouldn't be here. Your advisor here, but uh, I do
0: need to set up an appointment. Yeah, you should do it.
1: You should ask him if there's like any guided learning. Um, I options. saw some, I saw something about it.
0: I think in the course catalog when I was panicking, like I just need to graduate. Yeah, this yeah. summer get me out of If here. you can say
1: like, oh hey, I really think I should learn coding because I think that's an important yeah um, skill. I think I think that would be that would be good. Anyways, this is totally boring. I'm <laughs> completely derailing with my uh academic struggles. Skillshare. Brought to you by Skillshare. We wish this we case.
0: had a sponsor and we don't. So you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast and throw a couple dollars our way to get some exclusive content, including a special uh, Everything Comes From Something episode called Nothing To Do With Anything because we like four words. Uh, that's just an exclusive show that we record for our Patreons at the $5 level and above. Uh, you can also ask questions on the show. And we have a few questions. As a matter of fact, uh, one of them is from a friend of mine named Jonathan Adam. Oh, does he pay? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a friend of the show. I know. I'm kidding. Hey, when are we going to get
1: Jonathan Adam on? We should have him on. Yeah, why not? He's studying chemistry and that could be interesting. He's way smarter than both of us, so. He is pretty smart. I'm not gonna lie. He
0: asks, what is your favorite movie snack? And mm. does Cameron or Juzo subscribe to any movie club slash past subscription things that are worth the price? Mm. He asked me that actually a few weeks back after listening to some of the movie uh, review stuff that we did on the decade. Uh,
1: snacks, Cameron. Do you do you buy snacks at the film? I love a good, good old-fashioned popcorn. Yep. Um... I love it. I can't I uh, the thing is, I have a hard time justifying the like $10 for popcorn. Um so I usually don't buy it at the theater. But I will make it at home always when I'm watching a movie, every time. Um I'll have popcorn. And I go through those like Costco-sized packs of them, too. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's it's a serious problem actually. Popcorn's <laughs> pretty good. And it's it's really bad for you, but is it's it? delicious. Yeah, I mean, it's like empty calories basically. It's kind of a, yeah, it's like you
0: have to be munching on something. So, better to eat that than like, you know, a whole box of wheat thins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know why that I came guess. to my mind. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like wheat thins would probably be healthier. I for really you. like Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. That's like one of my favorites at the theater.
0: It. Usually, I do, I, this is weird. Actually, I know what my order is. I get vitamin water. The largest size popcorn because I only eat half of it, mm. and I give the rest to the you know people that came with me, and then sour patch kids. That's like yeah. the combo: sweet, savory. <laughs>
1: then,
0: then, then gone, and then yeah, it's done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I if if I am really feeling into it, I'll do I'll do like Reese a box of Reese's pieces. Um, Ooh, because I dig that. The like I've been Reese's. liking I've been liking peanut M and Ms. Those are not bad. Yeah, too. they're good. They're good. But I generally when I am at a theater, I don't get anything. Does it bother you when people are, like, doing the rappers and all that? Uh, A little bit. The rappers are definitely... They they can be an issue. But, like, I don't like... I I you know I don't like the f- sometimes have you ever seen someone like eat a full meal in a theater? Oh yeah, dude. You know what? If they bring it in, if this is like a specific theater, oh, like I'll you're tell you going to the who draft does that? House. He's been on the show. Oh no, Tim, uh, my sister's oh, okay. husband. Oh, he eats Austin. A full meal? Austin,
0: he's he, he's a uh, he's a race car driver. We've got a few episodes with him. Um, but we go to movies a lot. That's like one of our favorite ways to hang out. And he always like will go to the food court and smuggle in an entire sandwich that stinks up
1: the <laughs> the whole thing. I'm like, dude, uh, put that thing away. It smells so bad. I remember like, one time, I think it was me and you and JD. Yeah. It might have been. We got uh we got like I th- I think we literally got 12 <laughs> 12 of those Carls Jr. spicy chicken sandwiches. Oh my gosh. The, the like the like dollar. What was ones. wrong with us? And we snuck them all into the theater and we ate them the whole time. And it was it was probably an empty theater, but it was also annoying. What did we watch? Gravity. We were teenagers. Probably we probably that probably was when we that's watched. That's probably Friday. one of the few the the
0: few movies I think we saw together. We saw Mad Max
1: Fury Road together. All we did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I was really into that movie. I loved it. Um. Anyways, yeah. That's those are my theater snacks. Now, as to get to the second question, I used to subscribe to Movie Pass, and while. At when it was the time where you could see any movie uh on any day of the month that i loved it it was <laughs> it was glorious <laughs> but that doesn't exist anymore it was so glorious do you remember this it was no, like no. it was like a crazy couple of months it was like probably 6 months that you could see any movie on any day um and then basically I think it was Avengers: Infinity War came out, and then they cut that off. Uh, <laughs> so they were like, "No, we we can't we can't have this anymore." Well, I saw that Cinemark was doing one with rolled like rolled over tickets. Yeah, I think you get like four free movie tickets a month or something. Three? Don't, I don't I know. Don't it was quote just me on one. Don't quote me on that. Um, and, uh, but you're limited to Cinemark. Yeah, which I I actually don't mind Cinemark. I like Cinemark theaters. Um, I think the AMC stubs probably would be a good deal if you have like an AMC that you go to a lot. AMC is really pricey. They are. Yeah. Uh, but, but like for 999, you, I I don't know. I think you get a couple movie tickets, um, a month and it seems like it would be a good deal. I don't pay for those, uh, cause I go to so many different theaters that it's not, it's not worth it for me. Um, I, I can't be locked into one theater. I, I think... I gotta I th- be open.
0: Yeah, I think that would be really beneficial if you were next to a theater.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's pretty close to your house, yeah. and it's, like, even walking distance. Well, in a lot of towns, they'll have just one theater, one or two theaters in the area, so there's not, like, that much... There's not that many options, you know. We're going to be talking about movies for this whole podcast, Cameron, but I have
0: a question for you that's, I mean, in the spirit of derailing, we're okay. going to get to it. We got a full 70 minutes. Oh my so goodness. Who cares if we're at the 15 minute mark? This is my question for you. Yeah. If there were something that was close to your house, some sort of retail store, movie theater, whatever, like what would it be?
1: Oh, if I could choose to have something like right next yeah. to my house. yeah. Because everybody's got hard. everybody's got like the closest thing near their house, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, me, I've got the taco shop at Underdogs, which is which is like a bar basically, but they serve burritos, mm. and they're really good. And I end up going there pretty often. Um, There's a 7-Eleven near my house. Yeah, yeah, and and a Taco Bell right near your house. Yes, we'll yeah. go, we go there pretty often. I feel like. I don't know. I don't know if there's one thing that I could choose. It might just be a movie theater, to be honest. Do you know what mine would be? What? A gym. I, I can see that. If you could just wake up, walk to your gym. Yeah. Like, not even that far away or anything. You yeah. just walk to your even gym. Like- or even if it's, like, half a mile away and you ran to it. Yeah. That'd be perfect. I wish, man. There's no gyms close to me. Yeah. I have, like, none close to me either. There's one that's, like,
0: just a little too far. Mm-hmm. And even that... It's just like I wouldn't pay to go there. You know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. So for me, it would be, it would definitely be a gym. The other thing I've been thinking about is because I was like, well, if I want a gym near me, why wouldn't I just build a gym in my garage? Mm. Right? Have you ever looked at gym equipment? It's expensive. Super expensive. Yeah. Like a dumbbell is like two hundred bucks. <laughs> like one dumbbell. It's solid metal. I, I guess, yeah. I gotta,
1: I gotta meet like a blacksmith or something. Yeah, I know. Blacksmiths don't, do they make dumbbells? That'd be sweet. I think they make, make dumbbells out of cast iron, don't they? Uh, I don't. I'm sure I, it's different. I'm not that into. Like they, they like the gym scene. Have a cat, a mold, like a cast. I need
0: to get into the gym scene. And then scene. it like
1: psh, pumps it, and then like it solidifies. So if you want to help sponsor my uh,
0: gym membership, you can check us out at patreon.com slash Where did you used to go? What was the
1: place? Uh, fit Republic. Got it. Never go there. Never go there. I was, I, for some reason I thought it would have been, it might've been Planet Fitness. No. And I was thinking about joining Planet Fitness, but. I was thinking about it too, but until I found out it was like, it's aimed towards
0: people who are not like overly fit. Oh. Which is fine. Like that's co- Actually, to be honest. That's what we I need. Got, bro. I got no pride. Like, I'm sure that would actually fit in well. And you don't have to wor- <laughs> you don't have to worry about like, you know, weird Instagram people or like yeah. super bodybuilders grunting mega loud. Like I'm sure it's actually not a bad spot to like get a decent workout in. Do you ever um do you ever do like the classes or anything? I did uh for a, a college thing. Oh yeah. I really ended up liking it. What, what did it was you do? super embarrassing. It was called um body sculpting. Oh. It was like there's a lot of girls in the class, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> Is that why it, you took it? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually felt super embarrassed when I was first there. Cause I was like, I don't think this is going to be a hard enough workout for me. Mm, you know, I was like, right. what are they, what are they going to make us like, you know, pole dance to, <laughs> to get <laughs> like fit or something? Like I thought it was going to be really odd cause it was like one of those like studio rooms where they're blasting music. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No dude. Lots of burpees, lots cool. of sprints, lots of like lightweight, high rep stuff, yeah, yeah, which I thought like, if you looked at me doing it, it would probably look embarrassing but that was probably the best shape i've been in in my whole life. Yeah, but when you're there, you're yeah. I yeah. I'd, I'd leave like soaking. That's in the sweat. kind of
1: stuff that we would do um in wrestling when we were trained for wrestling. Yeah. So we would have our like dedicated gym day, but it would only be like one day one day a week. And then for the rest of the time we would do like really really endurance stuff basically. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was crushing. It was crushing. We would do like a 100 bleachers. So my, it was, it was awful. Beyond off topic, <laughs> let me just rephrase
0: that. Um, one of my goals that I'd like to do in life is join a fighting gym. I think it would be cool, really yeah. healthy for me. And maybe
1: when we go down to LA,
0: yeah, who knows? Overall, I, I the only fear is that I think they're a little expensive. Yeah, they are. Um, but I would really enjoy learning
1: kind of the basics, like jujitsu or like kickboxing or. I'm not, I, I wanted, I have been wanting to, to do jujitsu, but I also mostly because it's not, you you, there's no chance of like you getting like hit in the head, you know, I mean, there's chance of it, but, uh, you're not going to be, you you know, you're not going to be punching or kicking or anything. It's mostly like, um, mostly what they do is scramble, like grappling and, the technique of that, I think, is really interesting, and you have to—you actually have to be in like really good shape to do it. So they—they they train really hard. Um, I just—I think I want to do like punching. You want to do like Muay Thai? I think kickboxing is probably what it'd be. That's that's that, yeah. yeah, Muay Thai. Yeah, uh, something like
0: that. Yeah, I think I think it'd be good for me, even if it was just for a short period in my life. I, I think get, you should.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to.
0: I want to give it a shot. Um, funny story: my boss bought a punching bag because he got into that. Mm. Uh, and now he just left it in an office in a conference room. <laughs> it's just sitting there in the box and everyone makes fun of how the punching bag is just there. Cause I think that phase I guess people kind of go through a phase with it where they're like totally into the, into the fighting training thing. Yeah. And then they kind of ease off and uh, you know, working out, it's just, you know, phases, waves in your life, right?
1: Yeah, that's how it goes. Anyway, speaking of
0: waves, Yeah. Let's talk about some movies, Cameron. Yeah. Today's topic, we are going to be discussing movie soundtracks, uh, or basically like music movies. But we didn't want to talk about scores, because we think that's a whole different topic we can get to another time. And our expertise is, we're not the ones who are experts in scores. Now, I actually might beg to differ. Are you? Cameron, I listened to a lot of scores in middle school, up and through high school. Whatever. Because I was in an
1: ensemble... Uh, but you don't you don't watch a lot of movies so
0: you gotta balance that true
1: yeah yeah because like Juzo Juzo is the one of the only people I know who can be like oh yeah that's from this and also this and this and and like it's just it's just like it's just like an orchestral piece and you're like well why why do you know that yeah because he listens to a lot of a lot of like actual scores mm, um mm. And w- w- what I'll preface and say is I don't think we're going to be talking necessarily about like soundtracks, really. I think we're going to be talking more about f- m- movies that have fantastic music and mostly mostly things like uh, songs taken from other places, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think we should talk less about. About scores, as we talked about, we should talk less about about individual composers. Um, but I want I do want to talk about movies that have just like, just killer soundtracks. You know that are just like, uh, basically I I look at it I look at certain movies, um, like a playlist of songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is a oh this is a fantastic playlist of songs. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that has to do with their the actual content of the film. Like, sometimes it has to do with, with oh, I loved this movie, and when they used this song, it was, like, really great. Sometimes there are movies that you don't really care about, but they have they have awesome soundtracks. Anyways, yeah. You know? Well, I think let's kind of just veer off and head
0: towards the whole playlist conversation mm, for, yeah. for movies. And I think one of the most obvious is sort of, like, the corporate playlist. or Or the thing that, like, stands out is that this is a big movie company that's put together a movie and it has to have licensed music be- because, right? Because it's going to be a big blockbuster because we're owned hit. by
1: Warner Brothers. Exactly. So, yeah. so you know, you watch you go Sony see Sony Pictures Classic.
0: Like we were laughing about how The Fast and Furious uses like heavily marketed like soundtrack music where they get these like rappers to sing their
1: hearts out like really sh- Yeah, like they always have they always have one one feature that is like really over presented you know yeah. and, and like people there's it's like this is it's, the soundtrack right after featuring like, blah 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 it's
0: usually in a scene where something really bad just happened like a character died and then you hear like the <laughs> and then the rapper goes why did you leave this um right and then it's like all the characters are like looking very somber like mm, i can't believe you know I can't believe he did that to save us, right? Like, like that—that that sort of commercial corporate soundtrack. Yeah, that's not the the sort of like
1: mixtape standout music that we want to get to. You know whose fault that is, though? I think actually Transformers. No, wrong. No.
0: Although I listened to that soundtrack. Is oh, it is I, it good? No, it's just Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> Linkin Park and and. Uh, this other song that I can't remember,
1: but it, it plays while Bumblebee is fighting some guy mm. in, in the dark. No, I'm going to lay this at the feet of, of Quentin Tarantino, actually, um, because he, when he was in his indie phase, he was known for like having really, really interesting, eclectic, and different, different songs, you know? Um, and and when you take someone who's sort of visionary in that way um who has like an obvious an obvious direction and an obvious style and theme and then you you make it corporate you know because that became that became the sort of the wave of the of the future was uh you know they were basically just trying to 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 cop to Quentin Tarantino because he was popular from from the 90s, and I'm sure they were trying to bank on the fact that that music was
0: successful afterwards. Yeah,
1: right? that's that's definitely part of it. And people hadn't really done that before in a way that that was that inventive and and interesting. Like like we were talking before about the Titanic soundtrack, right? Um, and that's the the Titanic soundtrack is. A really good example of what was happening in like the 80s and 90s when one big uh, star, one big song would come out that would like be the defining song of that movie. you know what I mean? And it would usually be featured um, you know on the radio it would be like a big radio hit. It would be this big star who was who was modern at the time. and so that would be like the thrust of of the movie soundtrack. And and Tarantino, what he did was he he made he made movies a playlist, like I was saying, which you know? which has really caught
0: on in sort of an artistic way today for a lot of films. Yeah, exactly. Before we get to the mixtapes, which I want to share a few of my favorites or the or the standout ones that most of you will know, um, I got a list pulled up about the highest grossing soundtracks. Mm, yeah, and it kind of taps into that '90s era um, with the number one, 18 million... Units sold for a movie called the bodyguard and it featured Whitney Houston's. I will always love you mm. song. Um, but Good that's song. a, that's a lot. Yeah, seriously. And that, um, that number of units is, is pretty crazy. I don't even know what the bodyguard is. <laughs> I've never seen that movie.
1: I mean, yeah. But I know the song, yeah, right? and that's kind of transcendent. But that's that's what I was talking about. Basically, there would be like Whitney Houston would be on a soundtrack, yes, yes. Like there would be one person who or Celine would, Dion, yes, with, yes, with exactly, Titanic, right, exactly. And and it would be like boom, this is like the stunning part of the soundtrack. Kenny Loggins, is, Danger yes, Zone, yes, right? exactly. Um, yeah, so so and then and I think I actually think it really expanded out and and then there now we're in an era where it's either you get someone who writes the score and there's no there's like no popular music there's nothing taken from it, you know it's all it's all just it's written composed for the, the the film you know you get a lot of that and then you have these films that kind of you know the fast and furious is which are like Uh, We're just going to take from this genre and this genre, and we could get him on the soundtrack. We own his entire collection. Well, it's like a lot of it is writing new music with artists that you know to make
0: a soundtrack memorable or or marketable, even. Um, Some of those that come to mind that are actually successful uh, would be like, and, and this is borderline score, right? But Tron Legacy Where they brought in one artist, Mm. Daft Punk, to write the music. It was an instrumental, because that's honestly, Daft Punk does a lot of instrumental. It's definitely more on the score side, but like they came in and wrote EDM music to back an entire film and they really put their flavor into it. Yeah. Even like the inspired music for Black Panther, which was produced by Kendrick Lamar, is that same thing. It's like they brought in an artist with a bunch of collaborators to create a vision. For a film. Now, with Black, right. Black Panther, it's like, it kind of fit. But I think that Kendrick Lamar's artistry really, like, transcended what the movie was. And also, he raps explicitly. So not a lot of the music <laughs> could actually be in the film, right? Because it seems like he got the gloves off for it. They yeah, were like, he did. hey, make this music the way you want to. And we were actually Which, which is just, interesting.
1: It's produ- I mean, it is produced by Disney, That that album. It's crazy. You listen to it like we listen, or at least distributed by. Yeah, we
0: listen to the beginning of it, and it's talking about like, (laughs) Gangland or something like that. Like,
1: yeah, and there's a lot of his former music on it too. I mean, there's and there's a lot of different people's music on it. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we're coming into sort of a a really interesting age of of music uh, of of movie scores, and and I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. The one thing again, I come back to Tarantino because I think he's the, he's like the perfect example of this. He's like textbook case. Um, he, the one thing that I really, really love when, when movies do is like, they'll take either lesser known songs or songs that are, that are, um, cross genre, you know, Tarantino will use a song from a, uh, you know, from a spaghetti Western he'll use any you know, more Coney's music and then he'll transplant it into like his modern gang film, you know? And, and like, it's very, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very opposed in, in a certain sense, but it, it works and it blends together because he's got a vision, you know, one of the, I think
0: something that copies that sentiment was the guardians of the galaxy films. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Surprisingly, because You know, the Marvel movies, they're pretty safe, right? And Guardians really stood out and won over the crowd with this old music. And suddenly young kids are loving, like, these old songs. My mom, when she first heard me listening to uh, I'm Not In Love by 10CC, question mark? I think that's what the band's called. Uh, She was like, why are you listening to this song? (laughs) Like, she was like, why? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, it's just, it's so... Great! Like, Calling mom, dude. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. The second I said, it, I was like, "Oh crap!" That's not what I meant. <laughs> but the way they integrated that soundtrack in with the movie and the plot, right? They even put the music physically in the character's hand, right? Yeah. Just it, it's ingenious for from like a, a marketing side and also like an artistic side
1: as yeah. well. No, I agree. An old an old seventies rock. There's like so much sci-fi like, yeah, but there's like so much cool stuff that, that went on in that era. You know, that was kind of sci-fi inspired too. You think about, um, uh, Queen made the, Queen made this, the score for the Flash Gordon remake that happened in like 1973 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and that, that's like such a weird cross, crossover of things uh but that soundtrack is really awesome you know it's it's like really cool uh to to hear them kind of play on old um you know serial soundtracks and you know kind of cheesy classic tv tropes in soundtracks and and make it make it like a queen album it's like really weird um but a lot of fun and so yeah i i mean i think i think that was a really perfect fit um and I'm always surprised at uh you know someone like um um oh, what's his name the guy who did um the guy who did the Great Gatsby movie you know I don't know the his oh, name. Oh Boz Lerman. Yeah, that's him. Off the top. Um man. yeah. So Boz Luhrmann, he did he did the Great Gatsby movie. I didn't think it worked that well in that, um, the anachronistic music. Right. Um, because he used like pop and and like hip hop and rap. I think there was like Jay Z on the album. Yeah, in, in the in Great Gatsby time. And that's interesting. Is that I I can see where he's going with it. You know what I mean? Like I could see yeah. the vision for it, but it didn't really fit together that well. Um, but but he did Romeo plus Juliet, um, and he also used some some anachronistic was, music. Was, was Romeo plus Juliet the gang version? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, I did see that actually. I know what movie you are talking about. I yeah.
0: remember really enjoying that.
1: It's really fun. Yeah. I think it's really fun. Yeah. Um, but but that also used um, used like some anachronistic music, um, and and it ended up being really fun. You know, it ended up being being kind of interesting before um, we move on from like, like art, Radiohead is in it and yeah stuff like that
0: i don't want like of course if you have more soundtracks that are artistically picked out or like sick mixtapes and movies we can still talk about them
1: yeah i have one i have one big i have one i one, uh, one huge one that i want to talk about okay. too it could be the same is it going to be as baby you. driver yeah okay i have a different big one
0: okay so for me baby driver is like hands down one of my favorite music movies Ever, yeah, like, it's awesome. period. It's awesome. It's an
1: ode to to exactly what we're talking about. It
0: takes these old songs and throws them into a sweet mixtape. It does the Guardians thing where it integrates it into the plot um, with the character listening to music to uh, basically drown out his tinnitus that he has, and all the music in the film is synced up to the action of the character and the key of the sound effects going on in the moment. Even the gunshots are in beat with the music, which is just so... It, it, it like, makes you smile when you're watching it because it's not distracting. It's, like, it adds to the fun charm
1: of the film. Oh, yeah. No, it's... I mean, it's so awesome. And apparently, uh, I uh, I learned this... I, I watched an interview with uh, Simon Pegg about Shauna well, he was talking about a bunch of his different movies, but yeah. he broke down Shaun of the Dead, and he was saying, you know that scene um, where they're they're fighting the zombies to Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, mm. Did you watch that movie? Yeah, I've seen it. I don't remember that. Oh, scene. Okay, yeah, it's like um, they're like in a house and they're all they're all fighting to Bohemian Rhapsody. Is it
0: the There's also another music scene in that movie because I know, uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah, Edgar yeah, Wright. Edgar Wright. Good um, job. Um, he. He does use music in fun ways because there's that whole scene awesome. where they're throwing vinyl records at the zombie. Yeah, you know,
1: isn't there music playing in that scene too? Yeah, it, I, Is It the same scene? It, you know, it might be that. Oh, okay. It might be that sequence. That's a really I, I memorable know. sequence. Um. Yeah, I don't. Now you don't remember. Yeah. There's
0: a couple music.
1: I haven't uh, seen uh, it moments. in like a couple of years, but yeah. um, but yeah. So so, uh, he was talking about how he basically had to had because you couldn't play the music on set obviously yeah um so he had to he had to like choreogra- choreograph everything basically and things were were timed i think they had earpieces um and they and they were metronomes basically so that they could really keep the keep the beat because he knew like going into it this is what it's going to be you Yeah. know it's the same with um I'm gonna get super nerdy I'm gonna go off on so many tangents it's alright um, it's the same with Interstellar actually um, or similar Interstellar if if you'll 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 remember has an absolutely incredible score um, but it was written actually before any of the footage was shot um, Nolan went to went to Hans Zimmer and he he brought him basically just a log line he was like write me Write me a theme based on, um, I think he said like a father, like losing his son or something. There, there was like so he had a he had basically had a pitch, um, uh, for for Hans Zimmer, and he came up with this this score and he and he you know he he wrote down the theme, and 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 Chris Nolan would play it on set before before takes. You know, like this was the mood piece of the, of the movie. And like, it it was so well integrated that it was able to, it was, you know, normally that's, that's like totally the opposite of what happens. You know, you see, you're watching the film and then you're writing it based on the film. Um, And, and Nolan did it, did it the opposite. And I think that's really, um, it's really unique and it's also very inspired in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, I think it's really awesome when visuals and music begin to sync up. Mm. You'll love it when we uh, in our in our next project we watch Koyaanisqatsi.
0: Oh, <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't even know what you're talking Anyways. about. Anyways, um, but yeah, I do specifically remember in Interstellar. There's moments where the spacecraft is spinning. And the space outside is kind of silent or you hear a hum of the engine, but the music is just vamping super loud. Right. And that, that really adds to the atmosphere of that film. Yeah. I never remember anything about, uh, Interstellar. Really? I've watched it a few (laughs) times. Um, it definitely, the only things I remember are those moments where there's like that visual, um,
1: interaction with the sound. Yeah. Do you Uh, remember the score at all? I, I could not tell you Ugh. what the melody is. Oh, it's fantastic! I, I re- if you heard it, you would know. You would know instantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got I mean, it's the Hans Zimmer like stamp. I do remember like a very bright piano. It's a yeah. It's an organ. He uses he uses a he recorded a giant organ in a church, and like that's what he used. Yes, that was the instrument. There are two scenes I
0: remember: something shattering in a spaceship with lots of spinning, mm-hmm. and the other scene I remember is the wave. That's getting yeah. bigger and bigger that's awesome. with the music like swelling underneath it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we're not trying to get into scores because I think it's a, it's a <laughs> bigger, two, a yeah, bigger topic. A Let's try to stick, stick to the soundtracks,
1: but yeah, no, I mean, I think, well, well, why I was bringing it up was because I think Edgar Wright does a really, really good at good job of, of integrating these types of, of visuals and, and sound. And a lot of times he uses, he uses his music as like visual jokes and as like like extra extra layers it's, to his yeah. Scenes. Like if you have a minute right now, you can
0: pause this episode. Please come back to us. <laughs> but seriously, look up the first five minutes of Baby Driver. Oh, it's you'll know awesome. everything you need to know about the film. It's so cool, and you will completely understand like what we're talking about because you'll be like, oh yeah, I think I've seen movies where the stuff is synced up. That first no. scene, yeah. that first like bank heist. Mo- it's There's almost like, nothing like
1: it. Yeah. It's very fun. And yeah, uh, but just he, go watch it. He does it in his other movies too. I mean, he has fights that are, that are choreographed to music and it's like, he, he is very, he's very into the, the crossing over diegetic and non-diegetic sound. Should I, sorry, do you know what this is? No. Okay. Diegetic sound is sound that is inside the, the movie's world essentially. Yes. So sound that that the characters are making, you know, if it's playing on the radio, music can be diegetic, um, and then non-diegetic sound is basically anything extra. So something like a score, something like voiceover would be non-diegetic, things like that, things that aren't happening inside the the movie's world. So um, so Edgar Wright really really loves to mix the the non-diegetic with the diegetic sounds. So he, he likes to have one of his characters, you know, playing a song on the radio and that's what they're synced up to. Or he'll have Baby, um, you know, listening to the song as he's, as he's driving. And so, so it's a cross of what would normally be non-diegetic becoming part of the movie's world. I think one of the moments I remember when seeing Baby Driver is that he wears the ear pods
0: yeah. with the iPod, right? And there's a scene where he's listening to the music while Kevin Spacey is talking about the next plan of what's gonna happen. And some of the crooks that are there are like, what's with this kid, he's just listening to music. And one of the guys pulls out one of his earbuds and the music pans to one side of yeah, the auditorium yeah. when I was watching it in the theater. And the other side was a louder with the voice. It was almost like, it was just like very clever sound design. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, it's awesome, it's so good. Yeah, uh, I I want to I want to bring up what do you say that's diegetic? Diegetic. Diegetic. I want to bring that back up when we get into uh some Disney movies. Oh, okay. But um yeah. Yeah, I think so, that I honestly like Baby Driver is one of my favorite mixes of music and movies together. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it,
1: the one—it one, feels
0: like a super hyped music video.
1: It does, it does. Yeah. It basically is. It's like in like you know two-hour-long, feature-length music video. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But w- w- what another movie that that does this in a really fun and clever way was Mad Max: Fury Road. With the the, it blends the score into. Cameron, the, you're bringing scores back in into all the. the time. I know I am. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about it without mixing the two. But I know um, what you're bringing in. But it it it. it uh, with the guitar, yep. the, the guitar uh, flame dude on the back of the the truck, um, who's like the rallying cry, yes, and like that, then the drums, yeah, the, and the on drums the, on the, on on the, the truck. truck too, and the, and it's an awesome use of the this mixture, this like crossing over of diegetic and non diegetic sound, um, it's like really awesome. But, let's let's hold that thought because I'm gonna bring it up in my second favorite movie
0: music thing.
1: Okay, but, but it's, I want to talk more on the nose. Go but ahead. I want to talk about Kill Bill yes. because um, I keep again I keep bringing it back to to Tarantino because he's like he, he's the number one example for me of someone who who really has a command of using using music to to guide his vision um, in a way that I think is actually you, you, one really unique like it's not the same way that Edgar Wright does it it's not the same way that that Chris Nolan does it. Um, but it's also t- totally been tried to be copied over and over again, and th- every time it fails spectacularly um, and Kill Bill is my my favorite example of it because um, not only is it such a weird mix like when you listen to it there there's um, there's songs from like uh, Korean and Japanese movies there's songs from um, from uh, Italian spaghetti Westerns. Um, there's also rap songs. Literally the album was, was produced by the RZA from, from Wu-Tang clan. Um, and then there's like, there's like some weird, like, um, like old classic rock and, and things like that, things that you would never think would come into this movie. Um, and it like all blossoms into this beautiful, um, chaotic mess of a playlist you know and it's just so it's spectacular it's very to the creator's liking i think
0: it's like you get to know yeah. the creator's character with also adding to the film's mm, environment yeah or not uh it's it's feeling it's atmosphere is that's what i was looking yeah for.
1: totally when it what it reminds me of is um when one of your friends like makes a, it, is, it hardly happens to me anymore. But like one of your friends will make a playlist and be like, "Here, have like listen to this." I think you you'll like this, and then you learn more about the friend than yes,
0: you actually like realized, right?
1: Yeah, and you learn you learn more about that person than you, um, than you learn about like the music. Yeah, too. You totally. know, like the music is is an atmosphere all of its own like that playlist the collection is yeah. is some of its of its parts in a certain way um yeah i love it i love i love the kill bill soundtrack i think it's so fun i
0: i yeah i mean i think if you've seen any tarantino films you kind of realize that he does this thing with music where he throws it in your face and he makes you notice it oh yeah right? totally i mean i always think of the intro of a uh, Pulp Fiction with that guitar, then down, 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 down,
1: down, down. down. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. That was
0: completely out of out of key, <laughs> but
1: it <laughs> was a nice recreation, though. Yeah, I, I think, think we're gonna get copy copyrights. Ah,
0: rats. But yeah, like I, I think that's one of his his talents for sure.
1: Yeah, and and it's a signature of his. And like I said, nobody can can really do it like him. You know, nobody balances that thread of of like that thread of finding cool music like he does you know well i want to bring up one last mixtape that it's just got a warm
0: place in my heart mm. and it's in an era where we had those cheesy like one note songs that you remember at the end of the film uh, the same era as like breakfast club where at the end of the movie he like pumps Don't his fist you. and
1: yeah <laughs> Forget about me. That's Tears Over Fears. Right? Tears for Fears? Tears for Maybe? Fears. Maybe? I think yes, so.
0: Yes, I think so. I almost said Wham, but it's Tears for Fears. I know it is. Um, great ending, but it's like that was the song that like- No, really, it's Simple Minds, That's You're what wrong. I said, dummy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go in and edit that. I'm pretty sure that uh, Darren, you know, he's going to be like, what the heck? Yeah. Come on. I don't, I, what do you, I pay you guys for nothing? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean- that, that Simple Mind song really stuck out in that film. And, and there's some good music in Breakfast Club, but I think the best 80s movie soundtrack mix, and forgive me because I didn't live through them, <laughs> uh, would definitely be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I just think it has such an odd, fun, energetic mix of songs, including the Star Wars soundtrack mm. uh, for when they steal the... Um, Ferrari out of the garage there's a scene with that there's just a lot of weird fun music in that movie yeah uh stuff that like isn't popular either there's there's a song that's by this group called like Something of Dreams that plays at the very end of the movie and I love that song and it's not a popular 80s song hmm. and I only love it because of that movie you know so I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off I just had to shout it out great mixtape yeah um yeah, and we were talking about corporate movies as well. The best corporate well, not the best, but uh one of the most recent corporate movie films that I saw um was Into the Spider-Verse and I think it has a very solid like collaborated music artist playlist kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, that re- it 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 accents and and um it complements the, the rest of the film. Yeah, for sure. And its style. Now, Oh, gosh. There are a bunch of movies popping my head while you were talking. So that's why I'm trying to just get them off, like, and and trying to remember. The movie that I was thinking of when you were talking about. Um, diegetic and non diegetic. Thank you. Disney. A, those, those are big words. I was thinking of Disney. Yeah. But there was another one that kind of brought up a new, interesting idea that I hadn't really thought of. Mm. Um, and it is the integration of a, you know, pop song or a well known song into a score. And really, like, driving that song throughout. Mm. And this recently happened in Jordan Peele's last
1: film, Us. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. With
0: the song... um, What is
1: that song? Jeez. I forget. Uh, I put five on it? Yeah. 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 And and that song... I got five. I got five five on it. Yeah. It's got, like, a...
0: It's weird, because you listen to the song, and it has, like, a minor sounding... Mm beat and it's a really cool song. Like I like that song before I saw the movie. And the family singing it at the beginning of the movie and by the end, the score has taken that song and turned it into a terrifying, creepy, ambient, pulsing tone for a final confrontation. That just like it's true. Like I had never I can't really think of any other movie that does that where it takes one song and kind of drives it through. And Jordan Peele has a great way of like integrating comedy with his horror films. I know we've talked about this, this movie before, but I like how he introduces a rap song in a light way and drives it into a creepy song by the end with yeah. the confrontation. And he also has a comedic break with another song where they're like killing everybody in that house. Do you know what I'm
1: talking about? Yes. Uh, what song is it? Um, it's such oh, a memorable forget. I forget. Scene. I forget. Uh, hold on. I'm going to kick myself for Juzo's yelling at us. Darren's yelling at us. I don't know. What Hold is, on. I'm going to, I'm going to. Okay. Look. Yeah. But there's another great
0: rap song where they're just, uh, it's like a family is confronting another family. Everybody's getting stabbed. There's blood going everywhere. And the music is just blasting through the Alexa
1: and they eventually oh, turn the music it's good vibrations, off. isn't it? Um, in the house. It's good. Vi- it's good vibrations. I don't think so. Oh no. Oh no. You know what? <laughs> I know what <laughs> I It, is. Say, it starts, r- it starts with good vibrations and then uh, it transitions to a song where I'm not going to say the full name, but it's it's "F the Police" by N.W.A. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, and it's very it's very funny. Yeah, uh, cause that's a great because the, they're like call the police. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah,
0: us I think does a great job of warping score and song together into something interesting. I'm sure there are other movies that have done it beforehand, but that was the
1: one that came to my mind that was like, "Whoa." Like, yeah. I can't really think of another movie that does that. Right? Yeah, no, it, that's a good point. I I actually have never um I hadn't thought of it in that in that explicit of a way. Um it is very interesting. And it's something I think people I think filmmakers might start to to adopt and explore that idea of like Taking something that you know, taking a song that you know, and then and then transforming it into a way that that makes it um that makes it integral with within the world of the film, honestly, the only other thing I can think of is a different
0: facet of media, which is the last of us mm. because there's the scenes where Ellie's playing the guitar and singing, yeah, and the guitar is already part of the score, and so it's almost like they kind of weave in together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because video games are becoming more and more cinematic. So there's that kind of like artistry in it. And, and we don't need to talk about video games, but I've been thinking a lot about them with this conversation with Kojima's use of music. And, um, uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? Red Dead has those like strange musical oh, pieces that just pop up.
1: Yeah, just a musical break every now and then. Yeah, you which know? which is pretty cool. And uh, Death Stranding is really interesting for for what it does because you'll just be walking, and most of the game is just walking and silent and silent. And then and then it'll kind of the camera will like will like float out a little bit, and and a, a the name of a song, um, and the artist will pop up on screen. And then it'll just play the song in it'll, its entirety, and it'll just let you take it in. Yeah, right. And it's like really awesome, actually. It's very impactful. Yeah, You think it's going to be cheesy, but then yeah, I don't know. It's got it's got good legs with it. It's interesting, just yes. like just like that that guy Sam Porter Bridges. <laughs> He's got good legs. <laughs>
0: Have you seen the the blatant uh, Norman Reedus pitches?
1: Yeah, whereas like
0: he's, he's taking like, a dump and there's that rad. by...
1: And... <laughs> Watch the show. By there's Norman a lot Reyes. of
0: weird. I mean, product placement. Duh, duh, it's weird. But have you noticed? Like, if this is just again a random. Side Ooh, a know. delicious Monster Energy <laughs> drink. <laughs> I should drink all. I drank all five to see if I got a trophy, and it didn't work. Ah. Um, but. It's weird because I was playing it. There's a lot of breaking of the fourth wall when you're sitting in the thing. Every time you select, like every time a button prompt comes up to like drink Monster Energy or look at BB in his little incubator thing, Mm. Norman Reedus will react to it. Like he'll like do something. And I was very confused because every time I went by the door, he would turn, look me in the eye in the camera and like say, come on, let's go. Mm, Yeah. And I was like.
1: Is he aware of my... Like, it's just Well, odd. I think that's part of... Well, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we, we haven't finished it. So. Anyways. If that's part of the story, who knows? Maybe it is. Um, we are BB. I bet you. Because you're connected. I am BB. And then... Hello! Hello! <laughs> <laughs> is anybody out there? <laughs> Do you know what that is doing? Are you, are you, like... Hear- you're shouting to other players? Yeah, yeah. Which is on odd. On a server that you're playing? I don't think... I don't know. Do you ever drop likes? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It Anyways, fun. it doesn't, this is totally a side
0: tangent. Let's get back to music. So, you were talking about that cool big word. What was it again? Diegetic and non diegetic sounds. So, diegetic, it would be hard not to talk about music in movies without bringing up Disney, who has really banked on. Um, it's musicals, and I and I think it's time to talk about musicals, Cameron, because I hate musicals, mm. uh, and I and I think that's why this topic is interesting. Where you know I talk about Baby Driver, and I'm like, this is my favorite musical to me because it's like, yeah, it, there's just no singing. And let me defend myself first before you hate me for hating musicals. Oh no, it's okay. A lot of people don't. Mm. I think that the singing out of nowhere really drives me nuts <laughs> because they'll like they'll just it's in the middle of the plot that just doesn't make sense. But one of my favorite Disney moments is in Tarzan where the, the gorillas are ripping apart the camp Mm. and it does that diagenic thing where it is, it is a good song Yeah, where they start like banging pots and pans and then everybody starts singing because they're making the music with the pots and pans. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's who, who did the music for that? Uh, Uh, was it Phil was it? Collins yes very But iconic. he didn't I don't think he did that song not For that sure. one um the Sha <laughs> whatever <I was. laughs> yeah. now you know it now you're gonna be thinking of it all day but um Disney does a great job with getting these songs that will just spike into your brain forever yeah when you've seen uh the movies like well, especially during their golden age yeah but,
1: but you know, you can say that, especially in their golden age, but Frozen was huge, right? Sure. I guess they've had uh, a sort of similar renaissance where they've incorporated musicals back into their, like, main rotation. Well, it's been- I actually th- I watched a video about this um, a little while ago, but it was talking about how Tarzan kind of killed the Disney musical in a lot of ways um, and how it was very different, actually, from what had come before. Because Phil Collin- if you think about it, the Phil Collins uh, music was not, um, w- was not, it was non diegetic. Um, yeah. So, so it was, it was outside of the film world. So there was no, there was nothing to like connect you from connect the the Phil Collins songs to the characters other than that. It was just playing on top of, of what was happening. Um, And even that one break, um, there's not really, there's nothing, there's no singing in it. And that's very different from, from what came before where, I mean, most of the, most of the like golden age Disney films, they would have multiple character songs. They would have like an overall, um, you know, either it was like a uh, coming to grips moment or like, uh, you know, uh, th- this is, this is the time for me to make a change, you know, like it was the emotional turnaround of the, of the movie basically. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, it, I always thought that, that they worked, um, within what you were watching. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'd say like, if you watch beauty and the beast, it's a little cringy for me. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't
0: know if I agree. For me, Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, this is very Disney. You know, you watch. Yeah, the- but it is. I mean, it's still, it's still great. Even though, well, let me get to my point. Okay, okay? Right, it's right. still good, right? Uh, I just, for me, it's like I just, it's just, it feels like I'm watching a kids movie. You know. Sure because they're breaking into song for the little kids to get excited, right? <laughs> uh, because I'm not getting excited that they're singing. you know <laughs> I don't want to hear this song for the rest of my week. you know, I'm just a grumpy old man or something. I guess so yeah. Um, you know, and then you got the Little mermaid, which I thought was a little bit more tasteful with it. Um, but truthfully, and I know you're gonna agree with me. The one Disney movie that it does not bother me at all in is actually
1: Mulan. Oh, Mulan is great. But I what think, about Aladdin? Aladdin has spectacular songs as yeah, well. Yeah, no,
0: Aladdin is good too, but Mulan, I think, is just elevated because the music, the singing sections are really good, but the score is also incredible with that. Yeah, it's awesome. Know? Yeah. Like, usually in a Disney film, you'll get, like, the songs is where most of the effort got put in. Mm-hmm. But the score in Mulan with the music, they complement each other in yeah. a way that creates an atmosphere that's very to that film. And, e- and and I know Juzo and you were talking about this recently. Actually, maybe it was me and you. I don't remember because I listened to the episodes <laughs> with you and Juzo. You were talking about um, or we were talking about watching that new Mulan trailer in the theaters. Mm, Yeah, I think me and Jesus. were. When I saw that too, I had the same reaction that you guys were talking about, which is like, I kind of choked up. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I actually almost choked up when I was watching it. And I was like... I don't even like like I don't even want to go see this movie, but yeah, the, yeah. but the music is so powerful sure, sure, sure. behind that, right? Well, I did I definitely did not say that I choked up. But I, well I was thinking that I think it. is what happened. For me, because yeah. visually the
1: movie looks like barf, but <laughs> like but I'm i I'm serious. I'm serious. The music alone the music alone got to it me. It remind I think what I said was it reminded me of that first Force Awakens trailer. Um when which is kinda high praise. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit, but I mean, it, it evokes that same essence of like, of like when, when remember in that trailer, when it's like almost at the very end, um, the Millennium Falcon flies over, flies across the screen, and then the the love theme from, from Empire swells in the background, and it's like, and it's like the most. It, I I think I did cry at that <laughs> at that moment when that when the trailer came out because it was just like it was like that perfect dose of of like remember n- yeah you know? old old nostalgia. You know, um, we we all know where that ended up. Uh, <laughs> With Emperor Palpatine shooting in the massive the <laughs> lasers in the, in the trash can. You, have you seen?
0: Have you seen the memes about the Palpatine dubstep or whatever? No, I, I mean, you
1: you sent it in the, JD, in the group chat or someone. But did. I I haven't I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I think it was JD that sent it. It was pretty funny. Okay. Anyways, the um yeah no Mulan I think is an interesting choice of that era because I think it's not it's it wasn't really praised uh, back when it came out. I don't, I don't think as much as like the, the, the films that had come before it. Um, especially, but looking back on it now, I think a lot of kids our age, probably cause we grew up with it, but a lot of kids our age, um, we we look back and love those songs and like still remember them fondly yeah. and can still see sing you know I'll make a man out of you uh, you know and it's just like it's the song just awesome is, the song is good I want to throw myself off a bridge every time I hear it
0: <laughs> but
1: yeah <laughs> yeah but it's awesome I mean it's a it's a great song yeah and it's a good. great moment in it the, is a great in in, yeah. the, in the film you know and then and then what is that song reflections or whatever yeah that's a good um, one it's very good. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's an, I think it's definitely an interesting choice. I always loved Aladdin because it was, it was, it felt more fun to me. Um, the songs always felt, felt just like, just like tons of, like they were having fun making it, you know, probably mm. cause Robin Williams was, he was having fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, anything that the genie was in was just like awesome. It still is awesome. Did the Emperor's and Groove have, no. I, I, I remember that. Had... No music. Yeah. Almost. I mean it had music It had but a it, score But it had no It was not a musical The only music that came in Without being a musical
0: Was like Pixar With Randy Newman Singing in the mm. background Yeah Toy um, Story
1: Yeah And Toy Story 2 and Even then, in Toy Story 4 He, 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 kill, he kills me
0: I actually, uh, yeah, I don't know. Juliana and I always laugh about how Randy Newman can't sing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that song. Have you ever listened to his other music that's just not related to Pixar stuff? Sure. Have you? No, I haven't. Oh, it's miserable. (laughs) It is just miserable. (laughs) That's so funny. You know, and then they did a song for Monsters, Inc. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of it as well. And then you kind of look how Pixar is like, ooh, we're going to get like, we're gonna get kind of one standout song with our movies. You know, Wall-E. I think uh, Peter Gabriel did a song for Wall-E at the end credits. Mm, yeah. Um, Finding Nemo. I don't. I think that's all score. I think it is. Yeah. Um, uh, Finding Nemo has a great score. <laughs> yeah, it does. I know we're we got to do an episode about scores. Um,
1: you know what else has a great score? Ratatouille. Uh, Fantastic score. Yeah, it's amazing. It very um very to the atmosphere of the film very french is what you're trying to say you know you know how i feel about the french (laughs) me too do you also share my hatred of the french (laughs) how many
0: times are we going to talk about it you know i was telling someone right whether you believe it or not i think that everybody is a little bit racist just a little bit okay (laughs) Okay. are you saying we're racist towards the french and and so in my head i was like if i'm going to be racist against someone I think I'm going to be racist against the French, because I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that.
1: I'm not going to comment on any of this, but um, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) You ever just think about
0: the word bonjour, bonjour? how painful it it is, (laughs) that it exists? (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. You know what's funny is I don't even know any French people.
1: I do. I do know French people. (laughs) I know. I I met a few. Did I tell you I (laughs) weirdly at work one day I proclaimed that I um, that I disliked Oregon (laughs) the whole state. I'm Uh, actually going to go visit Oregon for the first time pretty soon. I was like I was like, I have a feeling I'm ugh. going to like it. I was like, ugh, I, I, I hate Oregon. Well, I I have, I have I haven't ever met someone from Oregon that I like. <laughs> they're 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 less in debt than uh, California. That is true. Yeah. No, I just you I, should go, Cameron. To I Oregon, I think it would really Compliment
0: your depression. Probably, yeah. Because it's always foggy. Yeah, it might be fun. Cameron, we're at an hour and five. Oh, cool. Let's we're, wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, We are going to wrap it up. Okay, we have one great movie to bring up. Oh dear, about musical stuff. But I think we we really need to dive into this strange rock and roll universe MCU style universe mm. that is popping up. Uh, it happened with Bohemian Rhapsody, and then they they did that uh, Rocket Man movie, which I didn't see. Any I heard of, it was terrible. Uh, sure, looked terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. I remember being like, hey, "This is really well shot," and every scene with the concert—it's cool. Other than that, <laughs> I just didn't think it was the best.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't really like the biopic kind of craze that's going on right now, like the 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 rock star biopic. I think it always it, seems a little overwrought to me. You know? I think that the idea of the film Yesterday—that's fun. Is, which is something that
0: I actually thought of before, like five years before that movie came out, not specifically the Beatles, but I had this idea in my head. I was like, what it would it be like to make a movie where like nobody remembers any pop songs and like this one guy does.
1: Yeah. Like no joke. I had that thought. I and feel like every, I feel like that's, that's a movie idea where you're like, isn't there a movie like that out somewhere? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like you come up with that idea. I'm glad like, it was made.
0: Yeah. I'm glad it was made. Cause it couldn't have been me and I don't really know how well it turned out, but I heard it was good. Yeah, like, that's a fun way to, you know, pay homage to a specific artist or or something like that. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, you rewrite a little bit of history for entertainment. It's only the parts that are entertaining. Uh, It's... (sighs) Surprisingly, I thought the fictional take of A Star is Born was more in line... With the artist journey than Bohemian Rhapsody. Because Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody yeah. was just, we are nobodies, now we're famous, now we're rock stars, let's write creatively, and we're going to make it as entertaining and cinematic as possible. Ooh, play that bass line again. Ooh, I like that. Let's build the <coughs> whole song around that. That's exactly how it happened. You know what I mean? Like, oh, come on, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, A Star is Born, even though I'm a little bit, like at odds with the ending message, probably because it's just sticking to the source material, I really like the gritty take on, like, artists trying to look good. Alcoholism. You know, broken relationships, or, like, what it's like to... I don't know, like, it was fictional, but it was grounded in a way, probably alongside the performances of Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga together. Like, they had such good chemistry on screen, like to me i was like this is a fake biopic for the sa- like for the sake of entertainment and this lands with more impact because of it you know
1: yeah i mean i i always find i feel like it's very often hard to make movies about people um which is a weird thing to say but it's very hard to make especially especially someone like a like a rock star or you know what i mean like it's very difficult to make that that sort of lifestyle, um, like, entertaining in a way that is also also true to life or, you know, real in a certain way. Like, I would never want to watch a – well, maybe this isn't true. I don't know. But I I feel like I wouldn't want to watch a movie, like a biopic about an actor. You know what I mean? Like, there's very few movies that I would want to watch that are just like – Oh, here's this person's life. You know, it's like Yeah, because you only get the snippets and you don't get the quiet moments. It's not just that. It's I feel like it's more it's more like there's it's hard to make that it's hard to make it interesting, you know? And and then when you try to like, like make it interesting, it just feels like trite and too dramatic for, you know, for the sake of it. And, but when you can fictionalize it and you can, you can actually write something that is interesting and, and impactful. uh, Like, I feel like there's, I feel like there's much more room to say something creatively, more room to say, to have like a vision and a point to it. Um, especially something like Bohemian Rhapsody where it's basically, you know, co-produced by by Brian May, you know, who was in Queen, and it's like he's got a very heavy hand over over like what's being you know, what's in the movie basically. It it's hard it's hard to make something that would be um challenging in any way or like poignant in any way.
0: Yeah, and I think with movies like A Star is Born or even even the musical La La Land, right? Mm. What they do is they take influence from real things and kind of remerge them in a story that is dramatic because that's just the way it's written, but it's grounded in those real events that it's pulling from.
1: Yeah. Right? I wouldn't say La La Land's grounded necessarily, but it is like It was I was surprised how m- more grounded it was. Then it's, gr- it's certainly grounded for a musical, I guess. Yeah. Cause I
0: sat down like, I'm going to hate this yeah. kind of like extra. It's like, so <laughs>
1: fun, isn't it? It's like, it was it's wonderful. I don't think I finished it, but I liked it more than I thought I did. Oh, you I should would. finish it. It's great.
0: I don't know why I didn't finish it.
1: It's got I a think, really great ending. actually. I think I got tired in any case. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to, to mention before we wrap up, um, there, there is a part of this conversation that, that I intentionally did not bring up um, because I feel like it would be hard to talk about this in any in-depth way right now. Um, but there was a whole era that came out in the, you know, the 50s and the 60s. Um, it was a whole era of musicals that are fantastic and rewatchable and And I think accessible as, as older movies nowadays, um, you know, something like, uh, like singing in the rain. Um, you know, there, there was a, there was a ton of movies like that in, in the era. Sound of music. Sound of music. A little later. Yeah. Well, yeah. I also don't really like that movie, but (laughs) I I know everybody, everybody loves it, but, um, it's okay. Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang. Um, Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang is good. I like West Side Story too. West Side oh. Story is fantastic. Yeah, have you ever seen it? No. Oh, watch Watch West Side Story. It's it's really good. You're not gonna watch it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's well, Cameron.
0: Pretty soon, you know, hopefully, you might be able to make me watch the movies. I
1: don't really want to make you watch those movies, oh. but I have some ideas of old films that we can watch that I think you'll really like. There okay. are, There are some films that you'll love in this list. Anyways, um. Yeah, and I I just wanted to mention it before we before we finished without talking about musicals because I think they are um, they are certainly an important part of cinematic history and the people who love them like absolutely are diehard about them and l- love them forever. Um, I I think they're still worth watching nowadays. I think, I think if it's your cup of tea, right? Yeah, definitely. You can find some
0: really great stuff. Yeah. There's one last movie I want to talk about. Mm. I know we got to close up, Cameron, because you got to drive back home, but I know that you'll like, you'll enjoy talking about this one for a second. Whiplash yes. is sort of a unique music film mm. because the entire score is being played by the cast of characters because it's about a jazz band, right? Um, and the film is basically... Interactions between a music teacher who's a total jerk and a student who for some reason Like he doesn't like his teacher, but he's also trying to live up to his expectation He's kind of he has some like self-confidence issues and and that's all you got to know I mean jk. Simmons is the teacher ton of personality. It's awesome, right? And the music is just I don't even like jazz. Okay, I don't even like jazz and this movie I was like, I like jazz now. <laughs> like I watched the movie. I was like, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Like I was like, I think I'm missing out on something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Uh, and the fact that the main character is a drummer just gives it this like visceralness because there's so much motion and and action happening with the character kind of struggling to, to play the way that he wants to play, right?
1: It's a great, it's a great uh part of a band to focus on to be honest because like as a film yeah uh, cuz i don't i don't think there's any world where you want to just watch a trumpet trumpeteer for <laughs> you know half an hour of a oh, runtime and, of a film i mean
0: take it from me right like i play church music on a sunday if there's one instrument that cannot fail for simple music let alone complex music it's the drums dude like the drums have to stay on Yeah, if yeah. they don't stay on
1: Everything falls apart pretty quick, right? My, I always argue that the bass is actually the heart of the of the band. Um, but that's that's coming from a different a different sort of place. I think the bass has the most important. I don't think the bass can find groove without the drums. What I'm saying is like the drums are a
0: good bass. I should be able to. I just they go <laughs> hand in hand. Yes, yes, you know? they do. Yes, and that, and, that and play, what I, what I'm saying yes. is a drummer can play alone and a bass could play alone too but which one's going to sound like more full the drummer alone
1: the drummer alone can stand alone the bass playing by itself i think consciously yes subconsciously it it'll sound like you have like the song has no backbone mm,
0: i don't know cuz because here's here's my reasoning with it and this is a, com- a complete tangent <laughs> welcome to the show um the the drums have just in terms of a mix, right? A frequency mix, a much wider spectrum of sound from the high frequency crash snares
1: to the low toms to the kick, which fills that lower frequency. That, that's what I mean consciously, because you can you can pick it up and you can understand it more. There's just a lot of sound but, coming from the drums. But subconsciously, I think I think you don't notice this is what i started to really learn and understand um when i played jazz in in high school was that the bass was really actually the one leading the band um didn't matter it it, it matters of course what everybody does right but the drummer um he was the one who led who led the 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 volume of the band he was the one who led the the you know, the highs and the lows, especially because you could hear him. You right? Like everybody could hear him. He was the loudest one in the mix. And so if he got louder, you got louder too, right? So he was the one who was who was directing the dynamics of the band. So if you're looking at it like as a T graph, you know, um, he was he was the he was the the I get what you're saying. I get what you're the saying the Y axis of this graph. None of this relates too much to whiplash. No. I think I think not at all. At the end of the day
0: <laughs> what we're trying to say is that Having the main character be a drummer really compliments great. Yeah, what the film is trying to get at. Um, I don't even know why we started talking. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, dude? It's getting late. Anyways. Nevertheless, Whiplash, incredible music it's so fun. movie.
1: Yeah, um, and it's a, it's a movie about music, which is not... It, you don't see that very often, and you don't see it... Commonly executed well. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely m- movies that are like... Either tangentially... I just dropped my phone. That's okay. Um, either tangentially uh, about music or sort of like incorporate the l- the learning of music. But there's nothing that's like that deep in like almost like the lore of music. What
0: I think is cool about Whiplash is that music serves as the conflict point mm, in the plot yeah. versus the setting. Yeah. Where you look at Bohemian Rhapsody, the setting, the backdrop is the rock and roll music. It's not... The integral struggle. And if you're a musician, you'll know that sometimes you fight against your instrument, yeah. right? Especially being a crabby musician like myself, <laughs> where I'm like, I'm just trying to get this thing to make the sound I want it to. And even when I can play the right notes, there's so much texture missing. There's so much tonal awareness that is not present, right? And I'm just fighting against the guitar to make that sound right. And even when I played the saxophone, like, you can play a G, but you could play the G out of key or you could play it out of tune or you could play it in a way that just makes like, there's a hundred ways to play the G on a saxophone. Right. And it all comes down to the way that you're like blowing through that mouse n- mouthpiece. Right. And it's like that struggle with playing music. It, it's it got anxiety, you know, definitely. It's, it's a process. And I think whiplash shows someone kind of going crazy in that in that situation, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's why it makes it so powerful, especially for people like us who who've played instruments.
1: I think it's a, also just a fun journey for everybody. Yeah, like I think everybody can see where he's going mm-hmm. and what he's doing and why he's making the choices he's making. You know, it's not one of these pretentious movies that's like, "Oh, I just love the art." You know, yeah, I love like the I don't craft.
0: even I don't even like jazz, yeah, right? Exactly. And and jazz has that pretentious persona with it. And this film, you don't need to get that. No. You totally get what's going on and you get to enjoy the sweet tunes with it. And it's awesome. Yeah. So watch Whiplash. Watch Baby Driver.
1: um, Watch Kill Bill. Watch Kill Bill. Except for Cody, don't watch Kill Bill. You're not old uh,
0: enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that wraps it up for uh, movies with music. And we will talk about scores eventually. Maybe we'll have to get Juzo on that one. We will. Um, I love scores. Yeah,
1: you guys. Why don't you guys do a solo episode? <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> that drive just really killed you tonight, huh? Oh. I'm sorry. Maybe no, maybe okay. I'll, maybe you'll have to listen to Star Wars on the way back. I was thinking about listening to the Kill Bill soundtrack. Ah, all right,
0: all right. Until next week, guys. We'll see you then. Everything Comes From Something is a fully fan-funded podcast that happens because of listeners like you. And a huge shout-out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you for supporting the show. I know I've been saying that part for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes. But seriously, you guys have been a huge blessing for making sure this podcast continues to go. Remember, if you want to support the show just like they do. You can check us out at patreon.com ECFS podcast, throw a couple dollars away, get a couple benefits. Remember all the benefits. If you're a Patreon are done through Patreon, Patreon messenger. Yes. You can just shoot us a message right there and boom, we'll see it. We'll put it on air. Um, that's, that's how it works. Take advantage of those. Again, if you don't have money, totally cool. I know I'm a broke college kid. I get it. You can just tell friends and family, spread the word about the show. It's a little weird. It's a little quirky. It's a little different. Maybe someone, uh, some of the people or your friends will like it and you can always give us a rating on iTunes. That seriously helps. Again, we thank you guys for all the support that you give us. We love you and we will see you next week.